Pope Francis recently gave a 90-minute interview to Carlos Herrera, and uh, it is a fascinating interview. I encourage all of you to read it. It is long, and I'm going to give you the choice uh, passages, points, summaries of Pope Francis's response. He talks about a lot. He talks about uh, the 33 centimeters of, of his intestine being removed. He talks about his surgery. He talks about whether or not he will resign, the rumor of his resignation. He talks about his visit to Hungary and the Hungarian policy against immigration, which he's not in favor of. He praises uh, Chancellor Merkel in Germany um, about... Uh, what he sees as a, a bad situation in Afghanistan. He doesn't point any fingers, he doesn't judge, but he does talk about the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Um, he talks about failure and disappointments and problems. He shares an Argentinian proverb about all of us reuniting in hell. I'm hoping this is an English translation mistake. The English I'm reading is from Vatican News. I'm making that available to everyone, uh, a, a document over at Patreon, so you can listen to it on the Voice Dream app. I'll explain that in just a moment. Um, but that was kind of a weird um, element about us all reuniting in hell. I didn't like that, and I'm just hoping that I, as an American English speaker, I don't get it. I looked at the Spanish. I still don't get it. Um, he talks about, uh, are there devils in the Vatican? does a little infiltration answer. And I thought his answer was interesting to me, personally not satisfying, as a guy who talks about infiltration a lot. But um, he's mainly concerned with what he calls polite devils. And we'll look at that today. Um, he has this odd statement about his election as Pope. And he says, quote, I am obeying what was set at the time. I am obeying what was set at the time. That's an important quote. Um, I can't ask the Pope exactly what he means there, but he's clearly following some agenda that was set in 2013. He talks about Cardinal Betchu, and he says he hopes he's innocent, but then he kind of clarifies, I'm just giving legal presumption of innocence. He talks about the Marcinka scandal. I'll explain why that's important. Uh, it relates to John Paul I, perhaps his death and John Paul II, some scandals early on in John Paul II with regard to Vatican banking. But then he gets to the point that I was really wanting him to talk about, and that was the traditional Latin Mass, the motu proprio, traditionis custodis. He has a long answer on this topic, and he makes, for the first time, some distinctions that we've never heard Pope Francis make. Uh, for example, comparing the traditional Latin Mass, the Novus Ordo Mass, as bi-ritualism. So Francis, uh, sorry, Pope Benedict spoke of two forms, ordinary form, extraordinary form. Francis is speaking here of two rites. He even compares it uh, to the Eastern rites, the Eastern churches. So I'm going to camp out in that today. He refers to his motu proprio as a, quote, constructive reordering of the Latin mass movement, I guess by extension, Sumorum Pontificum, and he speaks of the German synodal path. All of those things are in the first half of the interview, and I'm going to pause there because that's going to be a lot of info for me to cover today. I just wanted to in introduce all those topics because if you 
watch my podcast. If you listen to my podcast, all those topics are fascinating. And I was amazed that Pope Francis sat down for an interview where the man interviewing, recording it, hit on all of these hot topics. This was not a bland interview. He asked the questions that I would ask if I could sit down and do an interview with Pope Francis. So today's show is going to be really good. I'm really excited. As you can see, I've delayed the show later in the day because I wanted to read it, study it, get the passages, think about what I want to share with y'all because I really do believe this interview is that important. So we're going to begin with prayer. Before we do, I'd like to encourage you to like the show. And you can do that by clicking the thumbs up button. And then while you're at it, Skype's opening. Let me close Skype. I don't know why it's happening. While you're at it, share it on Facebook. You are my algorithm. And then if you're new, you should subscribe. Like, subscribe, hit the bell. What's the bell, Marshall? The bell is the notification. Every time I go live, you'll get a little notification. Taylor Marshall is talking about Pope Francis's recent interview. You can click on it and you can watch it live or you can not. But you get the option every single time as breaking news like this comes out. And this is a really important one. So we're going to pray. We'll do the Our Father and uh, we'll jump into it. Oremus. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, advenia regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et emite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos malo. Amen. Nomini Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, if you'd like to follow along with me, you can go to Vatican News and look at it in English. You can also, if you're a Patreon patron supporter of the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash drtaylormarshall and you will find waiting for you the English translation um, of this interview and you can use that document that I've uploaded there and put it into your Dream Voice app. This is something that I provide for my patrons who support the show. That way you can listen to the interview in English. It's It'll sound like this. I queued it up. Here's what it sounds like if you choose to go this route. I like it because I'm when I'm driving in a car or if I'm on a treadmill, if I'm working out, or if I'm on a walk outside, I can listen to church fathers, the Bible, the Psalms, Romans, Hebrews, Gospel of St. John, um, while I'm on the go. So here's what the interview will sound like. Look. Well, I must ask you first of all, Holy Father, how are you feeling? I'm still alive. Laughs. Your recent surgery, which was a major operation, left us with some concern. Okay, so that's how it sounds like. If you want that, you can become a patron. Patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. Get that. You also get signed books and online courses and, um, oh, the drawing for the rosaries, all that stuff. Okay. The interview. Again, it was by Carlos Herrera. It was for Radio C-O-P-E. In English, the word cope. As if, as in, can you cope with it? That's not, of course, I think the meaning is probably something else in Spanish. But the interview begins with the reference to his recent surgery. And as I just played for you uh, on the uh, Voice Dream app, if you wanted to listen to it. it. Oh, by the way, if you want to listen to it, 
that document that I put up on Patreon takes about 30 to 45 minutes to listen to the whole interview, depending on the voice speed you put on there. So that's why today I'm going to go through the first half and uh, hopefully I'll do the second half. So he says, how are you feeling, Holy Father? And he says, your recent surgery was a major operation. And he talks about these things called diverticula, which are these little pockets that appear in the walls of the intestines. I want to put it up on the screen. I don't know if I still have that image. People thought it was hilarious that I was showing medical diagrams during the podcast. Nope, I don't seem to still have that image available. So I'll spare you the picture of the diverticula. Um, but Pope Francis says they become deformed, they become necrotic, they can get rotten, and so they had to remove this chronic sec uh, section of his uh, intestine where they were appearing. And he says 33 centimeters were removed of his intestines. That's a big deal uh, for the Americans out there that don't know centimeters and have a hard time converting it, like myself. That's about 13 inches. That's a lot. So he lost 13 inches of his intestine. And he talks about how um, in 1957, he was saved by a nurse. Again, he was saved by a nurse, so on and so forth. And then he says, uh, I basically brushes off the idea that he's going to, um, to resign. He talks about every time a pope gets sick, there's a wind, there's a breeze, there's a hurricane, is the word he uses, of a conclave. That is an election and uh, he doesn't show any indication that this disease has put him down where he's going to, uh, to leave the chair, Peter, leave the Vatican, and go off into retirement. Now, the next major topic that he discusses um, is his trip to Hungary. This is really interesting. Um, and he says, are you going to meet with Orban? Now, you know, maybe you don't know, but uh, Viktor Orban is the prime minister of Hungary. Um, he has pushed an aggressive, uh, conservative uh, policy of Hungary first. We need to invest in Hungary, invest in families. There's major um, tax incentives, benefits for married people who are having many children. They're against immigration. Their policy is if there are Muslim refugees, let's say in Afghanistan, um, they should be given asylum and taken care of by their neighboring Muslim nations. In other words, subsidiarity, which is a Catholic teaching. Um, we shouldn't put them on airplanes and ship them out to Wisconsin. Okay. Now, the Pope, it's interesting, the Pope kind of dances around this question, um, and he isn't sure previously if he met Orban, and he doesn't know if he's going to meet him, and he says, I never planned my speeches. Um, when I'm in front of a person, he says, I look him in the eyes and let things come out. It doesn't even occur to me to think about what I'm going to say if I'm with him. Those potential future situations that don't help me. I like the concrete. Thinking about potential future situations makes you tangled. It's not good for you. I actually agree with this uh, because I have met Pope Francis and I've looked. he's looked me in the eye. And I definitely had the, um, let's see, do I have this picture here? Uh, I definitely had the um, sense that he was interested in me, even though there's tons of people around um, that he was interested. He asked me, I gave him a copy of infiltration. He asked me about it. He looked at the cover. He looked at the uh, table of contents. Let's see if this will work. Nope, it didn't work. Trats. Um, he looked at the table of contents. 
And uh, he was present to me. He talked to my son. So I think that actually is true. And I think he probably is a little concerned about meeting Orban because Orban has policies that are very much um, against his own policies. Pope Francis, who's more uh, socialist and pro-immigration. Again, props to the interviewer who asked these questions. I thought it was good. He asked him about Afghanistan. Francis says that the withdrawal was legitimate. But let's see if I can find the uh, exact words. I don't want to misquote him. Yeah, he says the fact of withdrawing is legitimate, Francis says. The echo it has in me is something else. And the third thing, you have said it, leave them to their fate. I would say the way to withdraw, the way to negotiate a way out, isn't it? As far as I can see, not all eventualities were taken into account here. Or so it seems I don't want to judge. Uh, here he's referring to President Joe Biden, who he does seem to like and respect. He allowed Joe Biden to use footage of him, uh, Francis and Biden, during his campaign. I covered that in previous podcasts. Um, then he also says uh, regarding, uh, he quotes Merkel, um, and he, he thinks, thinks she's great. And he says, and from... And that from Miss Merkel, I think, emphasizes that. And the quote is, if I can find, here it is, Merkel. He says, I was touched by something Chancellor Merkel, this is of Germany, who is one of the great figures of world politics, said in Moscow last 20th of August. And she said, I hope the translation is correct. It is necessary to put an end to the irresponsible policy of intervening from outside in building democracy in other countries, ignoring the traditions of these people's End quote. Francis then says, concise and conclusive, I think this says a lot, and everyone can interpret it as they wish, but there I felt a wisdom in hearing this woman say this. Pope Francis loves women leaders. It's something you learn as you study him and listen to him. He likes the idea of the wise, prophetic matriarch. And I think he sees that in Chancellor Merkel. I'm not a big fan of Chancellor Merkel. Y'all already knew that. Um, but I got to say that I do think that countries invading other countries in order to establish and build democracy in other countries is not something that we should be doing. So I actually do agree um, with Francis and Merkel on this. Surprise, surprise, surprise. But I also would have to say with the loudest voice, uh, Joe Biden completely, completely screwed up and injured people on both sides and has caused irreparable damage that will last for decades, for decades. And I'm just, as an American, I'm completely ashamed of Joe Biden and the way that he, he did this withdrawal. It's, it's disgusting and I hate it. Francis doesn't mention Biden by name, but I think he's kind of referencing there where he says, you know, I don't want to judge, but not all the eventualities were considered. Now, the next part is the part about all of us reuniting in hell. Again, I hope that I'm just a dumb American and my limited however many years of Spanish I had when I was in high school in Texas 
maybe it was three years. I can't remember if it was two or three years of Spanish that we required to have in Texas. I mean, so I know a little Spanish enough to get me get me in trouble. Um, but he quotes a Argentinian um, tango song. And the translation that's provided is keep it up. It's all the same there in hell. We're going to reunite. Um, and the Spanish here, I believe, is in El Horno. So I didn't look that up. It's not a word that I, it's not a vocab word that I knew. Um, so I need y'all to help me out on that. I just think it's kind of weird that the Pope would quote a tango song about all of us reuniting in hell. Uh, bad optics. Maybe y'all in the live chat right now. I know there's hundreds of Spanish speakers in there right now. Tell me right now, what what is El Horno? What is being reunited in El Horno mean? Anybody? I'd appreciate that. I'll give you all some time to think about it. Okay, now, the uh, next question is about infiltration. The interviewer says to Francis, it is always said that the devil is delighted that people believe he does not exist. Does the devil also run around the Vatican? This harkens back to a long tradition. If you're new to this podcast, uh, there were popes in the 1800s talking about the infiltration of the demonic conspiracies into the church in the 1800s. I document that in my book, Infiltration. I know some of y'all get tired of saying, you know, my book, Infiltration, my book, Infiltration. But you got to realize there's new people every week. Pope Leo XIII had a vision. I did a whole podcast on that. It's also covered in a chapter in my book, Infiltration, uh, on demons settling into the Eternal City, into the Vatican. This is why he wrote the St. Michael Prayer and the St. Michael Exorcism. He really did have some kind of a vision or revelation from God about this. We had Pius X talking about the infiltration of modernists at the turn of the century. And then we know of the famous quote by Paul VI, the smoke of Satan has entered into the church. That's actually from the 1970s. So the idea of popes referring to demonic infestation, infiltration, is not something that I made up one day on a podcast. There's a long tradition of it. So the interviewer asks, does the devil run around the Vatican? It says, laughing, Pope Francis says, the devil runs around everywhere, but I'm most afraid of the polite devils. Those who ring your doorbell, who ask your permission, who enter your house, who make friends. But Jesus never talked about that. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Pope Francis says, when he says this, when the unclean spirit comes out of a man, when someone is converted or changes his life, he goes and starts to walk around in arid places. He gets bored. And after a while, he says, I'm going back to see how it is. And he sees the house all tidy, all changed. Then he looks for seven people worse than him and enters in with a different attitude. This is why I say the worst are the polite devils, those who ring the doorbell. The naive, naivety of this person lets him in. And the end of that man is worse than the beginning, says the Lord. 
I dread the polite devils. They are the worst. And one is very deceived. One is very deceived. That scares me a little bit, honestly. Because we know that there is, there are people all day long ringing the doorbell of Pope Francis, flying to Rome, coming to conferences. We know that all these people in the UN, in the EU, and yes, even the bishops and the cardinals, and especially the case with the EU and the UN, and American politicians like Joe Biden, these people are not canonized saints. They are, in many, many instances, evil, bad people who want to impose eugenics and population control and euthanasia and what they call reproductive rights and the destruction of nations and the propping up of evil nations and terrorist groups even. Look at Afghanistan. All the weapons, the money, the resources, the helicopters left behind. And yes, if they're flying the helicopters, which they are, that that's a sign that they already knew how to fly the helicopters. Joe Biden didn't do an oops accident in my theory. These are all the people who ring the doorbell. Pope Francis, no, he refers to them as the polite devils. But here's what scares me, my friends. Francis invites them in anyway for the sake of dialogue every stinking time. All these people who want to do population controls and eugenics and experimental medicine on massive populations, all of them ring the doorbell, ding dong, hey, Pope Francis, and he says, come on in. Where's the discretion? Where's the boundary? And the last part of that answer is kind of scary. He says, the naivety of this person lets him in, and the end of this man is worse than the beginning, says the Lord. Francis, wake up. Are you that man? All these polite devils from the UN and Davos coming to you giving you presents and smiling and taking photos. Is that the naivety of the person who lets them in, in your own words, quoting the Lord Jesus Christ? He says, I dread the polite devils. They are the worst, and one is very deceived. One is very deceived. Who is the one very deceived that he's referring to here? Is it himself? Is it Joe Biden? Is I mean, is it just the everyman? I don't know. I don't know. The next question is, in March, it will be nine years since the beginning of your pontificate, which has not been that brief four to five years that your holiness said. Are you satisfied with the changes undertaken or is there anything pending that you would like to finish off eminently? Yeah, eminently. That is to say, do you feel or do you have the feeling that God has given you something, some extra time for something? Pardon me. Yeah, it's coming up on nine years of Pope Francis. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Man, oh man. 
Um, he talks about how he was totally surprised to become Pope. He didn't even bring clothes, enough clothes to Rome. Um, he said uh, he, he didn't invent anything. And he said, but I did from the beginning, that what I did from the beginning is try to put into action what we cardinals said in the pre-conclave meetings for the next Pope. The next Pope has to do this, 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 and this, Pope Francis says. And this is what I started to do. I think there are several things that still need to be done, but there is nothing invented by me. I am obeying what was set at the time. End quote. This, when I read the interview, this was the, and I'm going to get to the traditional Latin mass part. I know y'all are all chomping at the bit. You're like, when is Marshall going to talk about Latin mass? Because the Pope talks a lot about Latin mass and Sumorum Pontificum and restrictions. I'm going to get to that shortly. By the way, if you like this, go ahead and give it the like, thumbs up, share it on Facebook right now, just share it, copy, paste, done. And uh, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell. But this is what jumped out to me. There is nothing invented by me, says Pope Francis. I am obeying what was set at the time. Everyone who said, oh, come on, Marshall. I mean, are you serious? You think that the Cardinals, the St. Gallen Mafia and the Cardinals told the Pope what to do and he's following the script? Conspiracy theory? No. <laughs> Pope Francis just said that Cardinals said this, this, this needs to be done. And Francis here says, there is nothing invented by me. Quote, there is nothing invented by me. I am obeying what was set at the time in 2013. He's obeying what was set at the time. Then he asked him about Cardinal Betchew. Cardinal Betchew was under investigation and trial for financial corruption. Cardinal Betchew claims he's innocent. And here Pope Francis says, I hope he is innocent. I hope he is. Later on, he says, we have to have the presumption of innocence. But he is going to go under trial with the cardinals. Then he talks about corruption is inherent, unavoidable sin in all organizations. I'm sorry, this is the question. But in what way can it be avoided within the Vatican? Sorry, I, I, conf I'm, I was confusing there. I need, to, I need to apologize. Francis doesn't say this. The interviewer says, corruption is an inherent, unavoidable sin in all organizations. In what way can it be avoided within the Vatican? And then Francis says, we have to do everything we can to avoid it, but it is an old story. Looking back, we have the story of Marcinkus, which we remember well. The story of Donzi, the story of Shoka. It is a disease that we relapse into. I believe that today progress has been made in the con consolidation of justice in the Vatican state. During the last three years, progress has been made in such a way that justice has become more independent with the technical means, even with recorded witness statements, the current technical things, appointment of new judges, of new public prosecutor's office. This has all been moving th uh, things forward. Now, if you don't know about the story of Marcinkus, and I was surprised that Pope Francis actually referenced it by name. 
Marcinkus. Again, read my book. If you don't want to pay money on it, you don't want me to get a royalty of a couple bucks, go to the library and check it out. But you can read about the Marcinka scandals, page 174 to 177 and page 182. It relates to a lot of people getting killed. It is related, perhaps, to the death of maybe a, a uh, criminal death, criminal murder of John Paul I. Maybe. I think so. But maybe. But also some pretty bad corruption that went in even in the pontificate early on the first few years of John Paul II. And you need to know about it. So check it out. Get Do your own research or read it on page 174 of Infiltration. I just thought it was cool that Pope Francis actually referenced a mega scandal in the history of the Catholic Church in an interview. I, again, I just, I'm amazed by how Frank, uh, how Frank, Frank is, how Frank Pope Francis is. Okay, now's the moment you've been waiting for. They transition out of the Cardinal Betu um, scandals. And they move in to the traditional Latin mass section of the interview. And here is how the interviewer tees it up. It's interesting because Carlos, the interviewer, tees it up with the presumption that Pope Francis is being heavy-handed and mean. Here's how he asked the question. Follow with me. Carlos says... I don't know if Pope Francis is a man who likes to bang his fist on the table. Would it be possible but the, that the last blow on the table has been the pontifical document limiting the celebration of the Tridentine Masses? And I also would like you to explain to my audience what the Tridentine Mass is. What is it about the Tridentine Mass that is not mandatory? End quote. Okay, so did you kind of see how it's like, Francis, you kind of seem mean like you're hammering the table. Pope Francis answers. This is a long answer, but you're going to love it. we got to go through it. This is, this is the, the meat that you guys showed up for in today's podcast, is this section on the TLM. Here we go. Pope Francis says, I am not one to bang on the table. I don't get it. I'm rather shy. The history of Traditionis Custodis is long. When first, St. John Paul II, and later Benedict, more clearly with Sumorum Pontificum, gave this possibility of celebrating with the Missal of John XXIII, prior to that of Paul VI, which is post-conciliar, he's, re pause here, he's referring to the 1962 Roman Missal for the Latin Mass. Continuing, Pope Francis, for those who did not feel good with the current liturgy, who had a certain nostalgia it seemed to me one of the most beautiful and human pastoral things of Benedict XVI, who was a man of exquisite humanity, end quote. So here, uh, Pope Francis has already kind of set up his response. And let's, let's take a look at that setup. First off, he praises John Paul II and Benedict for providing this option. Uh, so John Paul II provided what's called indult Latin masses, so the bishop could give special permission for a priest to say a Latin mass here and there. And then Benedict with Sumorum Pontificum gave universal permission to all Catholic priests to say the Latin mass. But then Francis says, for those who did not feel good with the current liturgy, 
who had certain nostalgia. So for Francis, people like me who attend the traditional Latin Mass, I went to the Latin Mass today, this morning, as a matter of fact. I He thinks that I go to the Latin Mass because I don't feel good with the current liturgy. So I guess it's a feeling, and actually I don't feel good when I go to the current liturgy, but that's the main reason I don't go is theological. It has to do with uh, orthodoxy, the theology of sacrifice, and then also it has to do with liturgical customs that protect the Eucharist. For example, communion on the tongue, not on the hand. The restriction of sacred um, functions to sacred ministers like a priest and not to lay people who act as lectors and Eucharistic ministers. If you, I mean, I got hundreds of videos on traditional Latin mass and tradition, so I won't go into my own personal reasons right now, but it's not just because I don't feel good. Or, or and, Francis says, a certain nostalgia. You know, it's kind of like with my teen daughters, like, let's watch a black and white movie. You know, let's watch a classic. You know, let's watch Roman Holiday. It's kind of like, let's go back to a, an old time and for the sake of nostalgia, something nostalgic. You know, or you like, you see, you go onto a parade and there's always some grandpas and they got like the Model T's, they fixed them up and they painted them. Or you see the old guys and they've got the 66 Corvette and it's all legit. You know, it's like, it's nostalgia. You know, they're celebrating a time that was before. And there are things in those times that were, that were beautiful and that were glorious. And we like to bring those back and appreciate them and it makes us feel good. So for Francis, he kind of thinks that people like to go to the Latin Mass because they want to role play, right? There's a LARP, live action role play. I get that right, um, young people? The Zoomers, did I get that right, Zoomers? LARPing, live action role play. So we want to kind of put on our three-piece suits and shine our shoes like grandpa and mom puts on her uh, pearls and her modest dress and we walk down the sidewalk into the traditional church and we get the holy water and we genuflect and we're like hey johnny go on up there and get your cassock on so you can serve for father yes daddy like it's a giant leave it to beaver larp but a church version that's what they kind of think's going on it's definitely not that so Francis says, uh, this was a beautiful and human pastoral thing of Benedict to do. Because Benedict is just sort of giving these people who feel bad and are nostalgic a playground for them to LARP. He says, and Benedict is a man of exquisite humanity. And so it began. Not my words, Francis's words. And so it began. That was the reason. End quote. So Francis is very definitive here. He says, and so it began. That was the reason. The, re the reason was feeling good and nostalgia. For Francis, the Latin Mass has nothing to do, allegedly, with orthodoxy, the canons of the Council of Trent, Vatican I, the office and role of the priest and the indelible character of the priest, the distinction between lay people and priesthood, 
uh, Eucharistic sacrifice, the real presence, architecture, Gregorian chant, Latin having the chief place, all these things that I'm listing that I go to the Latin mass for. Apparently all that stuff has been bracketed and put over here. And the real reason, he says, that was the reason that I go to the Latin mass is because I want to be leave it to Beaver's dad on Sunday. Maybe put on a fedora and LARP it up. Francis then says, after three years, he said that an evaluation had been made. An evaluation was made, and it seemed that everything was going well, and it was fine. Ten years passed from that evaluation to the present. That is 13 years since the promulgation of Simorum Pontificum. And last year, we saw with those responsible for worship and for the doctrine of faith that it was appropriate to make another evaluation of all bishops of the world. Now, I think you might have heard first on this podcast, when he sent out the surveys to all the bishops of the world, I told you that Francis already had his conclusion made, but he was doing this so when he did what he wanted to do, he could then say, well, I just consulted all the bishops. And here he is doing that. I wish I could get Dan to pull the, Dan, if you find it, pull the old video where I'm actually explaining how this is going to happen in the future. And then here it is on September 1st, 2021, actually happening. Pope Francis says, and it was done. It lasted the whole year. Then the subject was studied and based on that, the concern that appeared the most was that something was done to help pastorally those who have lived a previous experience was being transformed into an ideology, end quote. So here's how Francis sees it so far. People were nostalgic. People didn't feel good in the old one. So Benedict had exquisite humanity and provided this new thing, Sumorum Pontificum, for them all to have Latin Mass. But it was transformed into an ideology. He says that is from a pastoral thing to an ideology. So, Francis says, so we had to react with clear norms. Clear norms that put a limit to those who had not lived that experience because it seemed to be fashionable in some places that young priests would say, oh, no, I want. And maybe they don't know Latin. They don't know what it means. Now, he had to lay down, according to him, actually his phrase here is, react with clear norms. Your Holiness, why did you never react with clear norms on, I don't know, abortion and politicians? Was there an ideology in politics that was against life? Against protecting human life? That was an ideology. And yet you never once reacted with clear norms on that, Your Holiness. Why is that? Why is the Latin Mass, why is the bullseye on the Latin Mass to react with clear norms, but when it comes to politicians and the, the sanctity of marriage and the preservation of human life in the womb, no, never were any clear norms uh, provided. No reaction. Your Holiness, in Germany, when all these bishops and priests were doing the blessings of alternative lifestyle unions, that was an ideology that came into the church. Did you react with clear norms or did you do nothing? The answer is 
you did nothing. But when a bunch of nostalgic 1950 LARPers want to go to traditional Latin mass with their eight kids, you must, according to you, react with clear norms. Sounds like a double standard. And he says, priests, they didn't even know Latin. This goes back to this boomer accusation that before Vatican II, there was tons of liturgical abuse. You'll hear them say, that, oh, there was so much liturgical abuse before the Vatican Council, Second Vatican Council. Like, really, what was happening? Well, the priest mumbled Latin and masses took 28 minutes. That's what they'll tell you. Those were the abuses uh, before Vatican II. Masses took 20, low mass was 28 minutes and the priest mumbled the Latin. I mean, they didn't even know what was going on in Latin. That's not the case. I know dozens of priests who say the Latin mass. They all have studied Latin. Most of them say the breviary in Latin. The breviary in Latin is a major challenge. It's not just something that you would sit or sit and do for a couple hours of day and just stare at text that you have no idea what you're looking at. Do they have to look things up? Yes. Do they have questions? Yes. It's a foreign language. It's not their native tongue. But to say that there are priests that go up on the altar and are just reading Latin lines and they have no idea what they're saying, like in a trance, is ridiculous. It's honestly ridiculous. I, I would I would love to meet the one priest in the world that does that because I haven't met him. And if it were the case that that were happening, that would have to be restricted. Absolutely. If you just had a guy go up on a, a priest up on the altar and you have you ever studied Latin? No. Do you know anything about Latin? No. The only language I know is pick one. Uh, Polish. Okay. So, you know, Polish, you know, no romance language and you have no no access to Latin. That's right. And you're, and so you just want to go up there and say the words, but you have no idea at all uh, what the words mean. That's correct. Yeah. I would be against that. Yeah. Pre and by the way, canon law says all seminarians have to be trained in Latin. I talk to a lot of them and they say, no, I took Spanish instead. What? What do you mean you took Spanish instead? Canon law says you have to learn Latin. Yeah, but we could opt out. We could maybe just do like a semester of Latin and then we could just do the rest of our studies in Spanish because Spanish is more pastoral. I've heard that a few times. So then, so Francis says they don't even know Latin. And on the other hand, Pope Francis says, on the other hand, to support and consolidate Sumorum Pontificum, I did more or less the outline. I had it studied and I worked and I worked a lot with traditionalist people of good sense. I want to know who they are, Francis. Who are the traditionalist people with good sense that you worked with? We want to know. Because it's a big deal. I just want to know who were the people who you worked a lot, your words worked a lot with. Francis says, and the result was that the pastoral care must be taken with good limits. For example, the proclamation of the word being a language that everyone understands. Otherwise, it would be laughing at the word of God. Okay, every, I can't say every, 99 point something percent of masses that I've been to on Sundays or Holy Days in the past 11 years, I've been going to Latin mass for coming up on 12 years, the priest, after he reads or chants or the subdeacon, the, de the subdeacon does the epistle and the deacon does the gospel, the priest at the pulpit reads again the epistle and the gospel lesson 
in the English language, and then he preaches. It's universal practice. I've seen it done at Latin Mass in Rome. I've seen it done at Latin Mass in Mexico. I've seen it done at Latin Mass in the Holy Land, in Jerusalem. I've seen it done in Latin Mass down here in Texas. That's how everybody does it. So Pope Francis being like, well, I had this worked really hard. And we said, we're going to have these priests say it in the vernacular. We already do that, Francis. It's already being done. And then he says that this would be like laughing at the word of God. Now, that's not appropriate because for hundreds of years, for example, St. Patrick, the missionary apostle of Ireland, he preached to the people in their Celtic languages, but he said mass in Latin. And I, he read the epistle and the gospel in Latin, in Latin, as a Catholic priest would in his time. You can't say that that's laughing at the word of God. That's a Lutheran thing to say. Lutherans believe that if it's not in the vernacular, it's pointless. That's not a Catholic teaching. Then he says little things. But yes, the limit is very clear. After this motu proprio, a priest who wants to celebrate that is not in the same condition as before, that is for nostalgia, for desire, and so he has to ask permission from Rome, a kind of permission for bi-ritualism, which is given only by Rome, like a priest who celebrates the Eastern Rite and the Latin Rite. He is bi-ritual, but with permission of Rome. End quote from Francis. Now, I would say, okay, you're, he's, before people would say, well, Benedict said there is the extraordinary form, which is the Latin Mass, and then there's the Novus Ordo, and that's the ordinary form. So there's one Roman rite in two forms, by formalism. Notice, by the way, that Ratzinger Benedict likes to bifurcate stuff. He likes to think that you can have a active and contemplative papacy, and you can have a uh, extraordinary form of the Roman Mass and an ordinary form of the Roman Mass. He just likes, whenever there's some kind of contradiction after Vatican II, he's like, well, there's two of them. But Francis goes a step further. He said, no more of this form, extraordinary form, ordinary form. It's two rites, the old rite and the new rite. Ooh, you know, a lot of trads in all set of contest that I know of say exactly the same thing that Francis said here. That there's not two forms of one rite. The Novus Ordo is a thing and the Latin Mass is a thing. There's this rite and that rite. Francis kind of puts them back into competition with each other as it had been under Archbishop Lefebvre and up, up until Sumorum Pontificum with Pope Ben XVI. In fact, the new motu proprio even says that the Novus Ordo is the Roman rite. It even says in the cover letter that the, it doesn't say extraordinary form, but the Missal of 1962 is sort of a concession to nostalgic people who are eventually going to die off and go away. Everyone's going to be brought back to the real Roman rite, which is the Novus Ordo. And then he compares it to the Eastern Rite and the Latin Rite. Now, I would say, okay, Francis, if the Eastern Rite 
are their own right. And the Latin mass ritual is its own right. Well, we should get our own patriarch, just like the Easterns get. They get a patriarch. We should get our own hierarchy and bishops, our own eparchies, our own dioceses. We should get our own canon law. We'll take 1917 code canon law. Thank you very much. We should get our own setup. If a priest, if by ritual is like Eastern and Roman rite, and saying the new ma the old mass is like that, then we should get the whole Eastern rite package. That'd be cool. Of course, I wouldn't settle for that. I want to go all the whole church, but man, that would be a nice concession for this by ritual situation. Then he says, that is to say, until today, the previous ones continue, but a little bit organized. Moreover, asking that there be a priest who is in charge not only of the liturgy, but also of the spiritual life of that community. If you read the letter well and read the decree well, you will see that is it is simply a constructive reordering with pastoral care and avoiding an excess by those who are not. So for him, his motto proprio is a constructive reordering of Sumorum Pontificum. It's a constructive reordering. That's a very fancy way of saying a reversal of Sumorum Pontificum. This reveals that the Latin Mass is being tolerated for the sake of people who are nostalgic. That's why it's being tolerated and it's being restricted with what he calls clear norms because those nostalgic people have turned it into an ideology which must be destroyed. And that is because the traditional Latin mass has a theology that is different than the theology of the Novus Ordo and everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. And the Novus Ordo people who love the Novus Ordo, they believe that. Because they're against the traditional Latin Mass. They think the traditional Latin Mass is inferior because it expresses the Tridentine Council, the Council of Trent, and doesn't express the Second Vatican Council. Even, even people like Bishop Barron will say things like this. The Novus Ordo cheerleaders like the Novus Ordo because... It is the updated ritual that is updated with the Second Vatican Council. They criticize the Latin Mass because it doesn't have the updates. To them, it's like an iPhone 3, and they've got the iPhone 12. They're like, dude, the iPhone 3 sucks. Get rid of it. And you're like, you don't understand how awesome the iPhone 3 is. I'm like, well, we don't care. We're going to cut off service to iPhone 3s, deal with it. All right. The last thing I'm going to cover today is the Germans. The interviewer, Carlos, says, does His Holiness have sleepless nights due to the synodal path that the German Catholic Church has begun? That's the question. Look, Francis is the one who told them to do the synodal path. So he can't have sleepless nights. He told them to do it. Here is what Francis says. About that, I allowed myself to send a letter, a letter that I wrote myself in Spanish. It took me a month to do that, between praying and thinking, and I sent it at the right time, the original in Spanish and a translation in German. 
And there I express everything I feel about the German Synod. It is all there. The German Synod's protest is not a new one. History repeats itself. What's he referring to here? The Reformation? I don't know. But when I read that line, when he said the German protest is not new, history repeats itself, I'm like, that sounds like he's referring to the Lutheran protest that happened in history. That's just me speculating because he didn't say it there, but that's what it sounds like. Do you agree? Leave a comment in the live chat or in the comments below. Francis then also says, yes, but I wouldn't get too tragic either. There is no ill will in many bishops with whom I spoke. It is a pastoral desire, but one that perhaps does not take into account some things that I explain in the letter that need to be taken into account. You know what? From the context there, on my version, that almost sounds like Carlos said that. I'm going to go over to the... To the uh, version on Vatican News to see if it conforms to this one. Sorry. I just don't want to make a mistake here. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, so scratch what I just said two minutes ago. The German Senate's protest is not a new and history repeats itself. Is not Francis, it's Carlos. The version I have doesn't denote it, but on the Vatican News, it has it in bold font, and bold font in this article references the words of Carlos Herrera, the interviewer, and not Francis. So I just made a mistake. So the observation that the protest is not a new one, history repeats itself, is the words of Carlos, but along the lines here, Francis actually does agree with him. So Francis then says, yes, but I wouldn't get too tragic either. There is no ill will in many bishops with whom I spoke. It's a pastoral desire, but one that perhaps does not take into account some things that I explain in the letter that I that need to be taken into account. And I would just say here, if I could, uh, Your Holiness, Pope Francis, how come those German bishops, how come their disobedience and their protest how come it has no response or no discipline or no reaction or no motu proprio or nothing at all from you? You wrote them a letter saying, this is how I'd like it to be. They basically threw the letter in the trash can and went ahead and did it anyway. And he says, there's no ill will in many bishops with whom I spoke. But yet, it seems he thinks there is some ill will amongst the trads. And that bothers me that there's a double standard. He says it's that the German desire to do these things, which is bless alternative lifestyles, is a pastoral desire. Why can't it be the case that priests want, who want to say the Latin Mass, why can't that be a pastoral desire and be good as well? Why does that, why does that seminarian or newly ordained priest have to write to Rome and go through a big process? Shouldn't you be requiring these bishops and priests who want to do these uh, condemned blessings, shouldn't they have to go through some process? Why, why are they not held accountable? I don't get that. I don't get that. That's the first half of the interview. And we spent some good time on it. I think we did a good, good job looking at the Latin Mass section. And I encourage you to read it. You can read it at Vatican News in English. You can also, if you're one of my Patreon patrons, you can go to patreon.com forward slash DR Marshall. You can read it there and you can listen to it. You can listen to it 
in English. It is kind of a robotic voice, but uh, again, you can spend 30 minutes while you pick up your your kids from football practice or while you're working out at the gym and uh, you can hear the whole interview. I'm going to try to all the cool stuff that I really liked was more in the first half, but I think I'll try to do maybe a, a review of the second half as well. Uh, thanks for watching. We're going to pray in just a moment here. Uh, please like, please share it on Facebook. Please subscribe and hit the button. You can also do that in the bottom right corner. There's a little subscribe button. You can click that and hit the bell. Uh, I'll be giving away on September 8th two beautiful heirloom quality rosaries, the ones from Seraphim. They're gorgeous. They are beautiful. They are worth, they retail for hundreds of dollars and they are heavy duty. Like I said, you can rescue a child out of a pit with these things. They're strong. And uh, all these things are truly cast. I know the lady that casts them. There's Our Lady of Fatima with the three children in the center medallion. White one goes to a lady. I'll raffle the white one to a lady. And the black one will go to a man. A he-man. I love the rosary. I tell you how to pray the rosary every single day. Not because it was my idea, but because it was the Blessed Virgin's idea. And a bunch of popes say it too. So pray the rosary every single day. If you want to get one of these cool rosaries, you, anyone who's on patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall and all my students at newsaintthomas.com taking classes. Right now I have eight courses, eight certificate courses. I've got a course on philosophy, Thomas Aquinas. I got a course on theology, sacramental theology, Mariology, Christology. Got a course on the church fathers, the medieval Catholic tradition, the post Reformation tradition. We've got a course on apologetics, how to defend the faith. We've got a new course on the Latin Mass in the history of the Roman Rite. Take all these courses online with yours truly at NewStThomas.com. And at certain levels on Patreon, you get those classes for free. So check it out. You can either go to NewStThomas.com or at, I think at the student level on Patreon, you can get those benefits as well. All right, pray the rosary every day or you're not on the team. Uh, let's pray for Pope Francis. I don't like this restriction on the Latin Mass. I don't like the double standards. I don't like the corruption. So uh, today's Hail Mary is uh, for him. And uh, make sure you're reading the Bible every day. Make sure you find a traditional Latin Mass. Make sure your dads, you love your wives and your kids. And moms, you love your husband and your kids. And young people, consider vocations to the religious life and the priesthood. We need warriors, celibate warriors. All right, let's pray the Hail Mary for Francis Oremus. Nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pronobis peccatoribus, nunc et ator mortis nostre. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty, Rattle those beads. Pray the rosary.